We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. Yo, everybody, what up? Welcome to the corner. I'm coming at you from vacation in Puerto Rico, and Andres is coming at you from a new crib. Yes, I am. New cribs, new cribs. And this week, we're still bringing you the podcast because we can't let you guys down. So get ready for an hour of wrestling, boxing, and MMA talk. I'm Kel Dansby. You should know this by now, journalist for BSO. And I'm Andreas Hale. You should know me by now or should Google me. Do your Googles, kids. Do your Googles. Today, we'll preview WWE Beast in the East, recap the Tim Bradley fight from last weekend. We'll talk about the Machida loss and Romero's comments at the UFC event. And we'll get into a little bit of the BET Awards. But first off, we got to talk about Conor McGregor and his new opponent for UFC 189, Chad Mendez. We were just on the call earlier. Andres, let the people know. Yeah, I mean, this was kind of foreseen. Um, Aldo was injured, and it seemed like he was going to pull out of the fight. They tried to hold out as long as they could, and Mendez jumped in. I was actually kind of surprised because I thought it was going to be Frankie Edgar's shot. But um, either way, today we had a conference call, and uh, good old Conor McGregor knows how to get under people's skin. So he kind of pissed Chad Mendez off. Had Chad a little out of character, and it's, it's got me hype all over again. What about you, Kel? I mean, I, I was upset, but now I feel like this is the fight we need to see. Yeah, I'm not missing Aldo too much right now. And first off, Aldo's not injured. He's hurt. Bruised ribs, yeah. he can fight through that. There's a difference between injuries and being hurt. He's hurt. He doesn't want to fight through it. Whatever. That's why this fight is still for a belt. Mendez versus Connor. One of them will be walking away with the interim title. But like Connor said, yo, if you bitch out of a fight, then you should lose your belt. 
So whoever he, wins this fight is the true. No, he's right. Aldo drop. It, it is like you. You are clear to fight. There's no reason you should not fight, especially a week before. Why couldn't you say this two weeks ago? Say it when it happened. Why wait for an MRI? If it hurt that bad, just say, "Yo, I can't, I can't go. I don't care what the MRI says. I'm done." But no, he dragged it on. He wanted Connor to be at a disadvantage. He hates Connor that much. The longer you take it, the less time he has to prepare. And he doesn't want to see Connor. The more and more stuff adds up, the more and more Aldo looks scared of Connor. When Connor says he looked him in the eye and Aldo looked like he had glass eyes and he wanted no part of him, and Connor could see this, it makes more sense by the day. Because just the little stupid games Aldo is playing, he's like a girl at this point. He's like a girl that doesn't want to break up with you. Like, no, I, you know what? I don't want to be with him, but we're going to be together so no other girl can have him. Let me just string this along as much as possible. Yo, I think we're kind of selling Jose short here, man. I mean, we, I think we forget this dude hasn't lost since 2005. And Physically, is different than emotionally. Emotionally, he's acting like a girl. I mean, he might be acting like a girl, but let's not just completely discredit him. He may have wanted to fight and just couldn't do it. You know, I, I don't know how bad that is. I know a rib injury limits your movement, and you're going to need all your faculties intact when you're fighting Conor McGregor. You don't want to come in there less than 100%. And then Connor wins, and his win is tainted. Or, you know, vice versa. Like, anything can happen with an injury. I hate when fighters are forced to fight when they're hurt and they can't go. But at the same time, you know, we're looking at a situation where we can't really figure out, is he hurt? Is he injured? What is he? It's a fractured rib one day. It's a, it's a bruised muscle the other day. It's like, what is going on here? So these games are ridiculous. Bottom line is we got a new main event, which is interesting. We'll talk about why this is the main event, why the real title ain't the main event. But, um... This fight is more interesting to me. It's a fight that I've said is much tougher for Conor McGregor. Uh, the Chad Mendes, the wrestler, uh, the overhand right thrower hybrid, he's a, he's a much more difficult person to prepare for. Chad has always been like Johnny Hendricks to me, like just a, a smaller Johnny Hendricks. Like crazy good wrestling, knockout power. And, you know, when Johnny came up short against GSP, Chad's come up short a couple of times. But it seems like, you know, they're always just that one punch away, that one fight away from, from really capturing the title. And, uh, you know, Team Alpha Male wants another one after going so long without any. But Connor just seems on a mission. Like, I, I don't like him and like his chances this late against someone who's completely different than Aldo. But if Tackett and Aldo is like, okay, what is he going to do to Connor? Like another guy who's a striker, who has more length who can drag it out for five rounds, just like Aldo did. And Aldo gave up one round to Chad. It's not like Chad was really in it, like, to steal it. Aldo gave up one round to him. So I, I think Connor's right. If he can take him the distance, maybe he slows down a little bit, and that knockout power is not there. Now, if Connor ends up on his back on the mat, it's a whole different fight. Yeah, I mean, this again, this is a fight that on – Less than two weeks' notice, it's going to be interesting to see how Conor prepares for somebody like Chad Mendez. With Aldo, you didn't have to think about the takedown. That wasn't even a part of your strategy. You didn't even have to think about somebody shooting for a double. Now you know Chad's going to be shooting for a double. You know he doesn't want to stand and bang with you. You like The thing that I'm sure Conor was working on, checking leg kicks, he ain't got to do that anymore because Chad Mendez doesn't throw leg kicks. It's a completely different fight. Whether that bodes well for him at the end of the day, I don't know. Um, 
But I, I, I'm kind of still favoring Conor McGregor. Maybe I bought into the hype. Maybe I'm one of these suckers that find him, you know, that, that listened to everything he said and was like, you know what? He is the greatest rapper of all time. Maybe I'm that guy. But, <laughs> but I'm watching Conor McGregor fight, and, and the things that he does in the cage are very interesting to me as far as how he controls distance, his power, and his ability to get into his opponent's head. I mean, maybe it's the accent. Like Guru said, it's mostly the voice. You know what I'm saying? So maybe it's the accent. But something is going on that's, that's, that's making Chad Mendes seem like he might be in a little bit of trouble. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. Like, Connor, he's talked it up so much that I'm kind of like, yo, am I buying in because of his talk or because of his skills? But his skills in, in my eye when I watch it, I'm a huge fan of fighters who are too big for their division. Uh, I, I think that's what makes champions in the UFC. John Jones was a dominant champion because he's way too big for that weight class. No one can match up. Same thing with Chris Weidman. He's way too big for that weight class and he could cut down. Hendricks was like that, could cut down. These are the guys who dominate weight classes. When you can cut 25 pounds or you're freakishly tall for that division, it's just a horrible matchup for other people. Connor's that guy in his weight class. He's way too tall and just rangy for, for these guys to really get a beat on. Even if they know and they study his style and his combinations and the way he kicks, you still can't adjust to that length. Like, who are you going to bring in that has that length in the cage at that size? It's just really hard to simulate. So, And Chad said he's been preparing for him for a long time. Okay, cool. That's mentally preparing. Let's see how you can physically prepare for this fighting style that no one else has. Aldo tried to bring in people to replicate it. He ended up with bruised or quote-unquote broken ribs from a guy who's a stand-in. Let's see what the real deal Conor McGregor can do to people. So it's going to be a crazy fight. Yeah, I, I agree, man. And I mean, we're going to talk about this all next week. Cause international fight week is coming up. We got like a billion fights to cover. Um, so I don't want to spend too much time on it. But, you know, the conference call was today, and the, one of the things that I kept forgetting is that Robbie Lawler and Rory McDonald are fighting for the uh, welterweight title next weekend. And that call, I was like, are they even on the phone? What, what the hell's going on? Why does yeah. nobody care about this fight? Because Rory is quiet and Canadian. Canadians get no love. If you ain't Drake, you ain't getting no love from Canada right now. And then you have Robbie, who's just super quiet. Everything, like you said, I think you tweeted earlier, it's like every answer to a question is, man, I don't care. Or man, I don't know. And he's just, like, downplaying everything. He's just, like, so nonchalant. He's just like, yo, I just want to get in there and beat up people. He doesn't care about selling the fight, which is cool. That's his M.O. So no one's really paying it attention because those guys aren't paying attention. It's a rematch fight. They've seen what each other has. Uh, they've both gotten better since then. They're going to go in there, and they're just going to fight each other and beat the hell out of each other again. And that's all they want. And, and I'm a Rory fan. Like, I was looking forward to this when it was first announced, and it's kind of, like, died down for me with the Conor McGregor hype. So uh, hopefully yeah, it's still I mean, fight of the night, though. It has fight of the night potential. It does, but that all, it all depends on how Rory fights that fight. We, you know, Rory's one of those guys who has extreme – like uh, when you talk about a guy who's too big for his division, when you see that guy walk around when it's not fight time, he's huge. Rory McDonald's a big dude. Robbie's a big dude, too. Let's not forget. He's, he's fought at a higher weight. He's fought at middleweight. Um, but it's one of those interesting fights where I don't know which way that one's going to go. I think Robbie's got he's, – he's, been on a roll lately, but Rory has the better tool set. It's just a matter of whether he's going to use him or not. And I'm not sure if I trust Rory McDonald to bring out all the tools for a five-round fight. But again, man, it's, it's weird. We got a welterweight title fight, not for an interim title. We got the bona fide champion, Robbie Lawler. 
We, I guess we could call him the bona fide number one contender, Roy McDonald. And it's the co-main event. And everybody on the call today was asking him, like, you know, gift questions. Like, oh, sorry, sorry, I forgot you on the phone. Let me ask you a question, Rory. What do you think about the fight? Let me ask you a question, Robbie. What do you think about the fight? And what is Robbie I saying? did the same thing. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I asked some questions. I was like, yo, I just really want to throw them in there. They had to be bored as hell on that call, yo. They had to be so bored playing, like, playing uh, uh, Candy Crush and listening to Connor and Chad Mendes going at it. Like, it had to be the most boring see, call in the world smart, If they were smart, Robbie would have been like, hold on real quick. I got a question for Connor. And then he would have asked Connor a question. And everyone would be like, oh, it's Robbie is so bored. Or Robbie would be like, yo, you know what? No one's asking me questions. I might as well ask Connor a question, too. And people would be like, oh, see, he's making light of it, all this stuff. It would have brought positivity to the situation, kind of like making fun of himself. And people would have loved that. He could have got a quick yeah. question for Connor. It would have got their fight some pub. Everything would have been good. They don't even think that way, though. Like, they're okay with being the boring fight. It's, you know, it's the ugly friend. If Connor is, like, the wild, sexy girl at the party who's always taking her top off and twerking, then Robbie's the designated driver who has, like, braces and then a bottom retainer, and she's just chilling, drinking, you know, virgin daiquiris. That uh, Dog, you just downplayed the hell out of the... <laughs> If I call, Again, uh, both can be fun at the end of the night. Uh, a, a designated driver? All right. Look, I, I, Hey, don't downplay the ugly girls drinking virgin daiquiris. I just think it's a girl who hasn't let her hair down yet. I think Robbie and Rory are two guys who just, they're not the wild childs. They're, they're that girl in the corner. You'd be like, she might be a freak. And, but she's really not, or you don't know, but you got to see her in action. <laughs> Like, to call her a brace face means she's boring as hell. Like, to say that she's got a retainer and she's, she drinks virgin daiquiris, that's going to say the fight sucks, too. But I think that, I think these are, like, Catholic schoolgirls getting ready to wild out. Oh, no. All the Catholic schoolgirls have a secret. <laughs> no, 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 no. The Catholic schoolgirls, you just know off top, there's no such thing as, a, like, a low-key Catholic schoolgirl. They all have potential. This fight has the potential of being boring. That's it does. Why, like, it, it does, it's a rematch. Like, they could just literally go out there. We've seen Robbie, like, turn the switch off at times and not be hyper-aggressive. That last Hendricks fight, which was a rematch, it was nowhere near the first one. An excitement level. Yeah. And people, we, we forget about that. We still kind of remember the first fight. This second title fight was like, eh. Yeah, I forgot about signed it. Signed up for. Yeah, it's like, it was boring at times. And this is another rematch for the title. It could end up boring. Yeah, you're right. So, I mean, it, it really is. So, hopefully it's not. But it could go really well or it could go really bad. Talking about something that went really bad, Leona Machida, is it time for him to just walk away, yo? He got wrecked. Yo, okay. So, here's here's the problem with Leona Machida. Um, when the Machida era started, nobody could figure out the karate style. They figured that Leona controls range very well, and it, you never know when he's going to strike. Then Shogun knocked him out. What Shogun did is he basically put, said the hell with it and came in and found his time and rushed in and just threw a bunch of punches until something landed. Um, Luke Rockhold just came in, smothered him, took him down and beat him. Yo Romero did the same thing. He took his time. He found his opening. As a wrestler, you know, as, as, a, as an, you know, one of the best wrestlers that have ever wrestled. I mean, this is not like your average wrestler. This is beyond Dan, Daniel Cormier wrestling. Uh, this is an impressive wrestler. He went, he did what he had to do. He took him down. And when Leota was on his back, there was nothing he could do. You have, you have to attack him with some kind of ruthless aggression. And that's exactly what happened. Now, does that mean that Leota needs to retire? I don't think so. I think it's too early to say that 
And it's kind of disrespectful to what Leota has done with his career because there's a lot of guys who've lost a lot of fights who haven't retired. You know, we still haven't said for Dan Henderson to retire yet, and he's still out there throwing them. So it was just a bad, it was just another bad night. Uh, Romero's a real deal. I was surprised. I was surprised he had the gas tank, but he paced himself. And when you fight somebody like Leona Machida, if you pace yourself properly, you find your openings and you take them, you can win. But with that being said, like Machida, is he just wasting time if he's not contending for a title? Because that's what Hendo is doing at this point. He, he's nostalgic. He's just coming in, dropping H-bombs, whatever. We saw the same thing happen to BJ Penn towards the end where he just kept getting beat up. And we always had that hope, like, okay, he's going to come back. He's going to be the old BJ. He, he really wasn't. And he was out of title contention. It was like, yeah, whatever. So Machida seems to be going down that path. Like, yo, do you really just want to go through a series of getting beat up style fights? Because what? They're not going to give him someone outside the top 10. They're just going to keep parading the next contender for the belt against Machida. And he's going to keep getting wrecked. It's either that or what's he going to do? Serve fries at McDonald's? I mean, he's got to work. You know what I'm saying? Like, these guys got to go hang and fight. <laughs> they got to get a check. You got to do something. From, he got a, from, he got from a lot of checks. He got a lot of checks already, my man. Go save. save but he's not done. But Save the head like injuries. Kobe, leave with your but, faculties intact. But it's like telling Kobe your career is winding down. Cut it out. You know what I'm saying? Like, some of these guys, like, they're going to fight. That's what they do. That's how they make their living. Without fighting, there's nothing for, for a lot of guys. So Kobe some... also needs to hang it up, though, while we're on the subject. Kobe well... needs to, to walk away, too. There's way too much money for Kobe on the table, guaranteed. But outside of that, he should walk away, too. Like, I hate this twilight of the career. Stay around just so we can clap on baseball. It's bad seeing Kobe do it and the Lakers not make the playoffs and then suck every year in basketball, and then I also don't want to see fighters do it. It's even worse when fighters do it because they're getting the shit beat out of them while doing it. That's why I'm glad De La Hoya isn't coming back. That's why when Hopkins fights now, I cringe a bit, especially that, like, Kovalev fight, and you just watch these guys, and you're just like, yo, walk away. It's cool. Walk away. He could have walked away after the Weidman fight where he gave one hell of an effort, and I would have been fine. It's, it's hard, man. I, I, I have a hard time trying to tell a fighter it's, it's time to retire unless he's getting blown out in every fight. Certain guys, like when Eric Morales was at the tail end of his career, he needed to go. Randy Couture, when you see him get beat up, he needed to go. Minotaur Nagara, he needed to go. Machida, all right, if he gets his ass kicked next time, then I'm going to say he needs to go. But right now, I'm still on the Machida you know, bandwagon where I think he can still give guys problems. I don't think he's going to make another title run. I thought middleweight was going to be the division for him. Apparently it's not. The Machida code has been cracked. Everybody's figured it out, and they're robbing the bank now. So I don't want to see him go away, but I do. I feel what you're saying. It's just I, I got to give him another fight at least. Oh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. Hopefully they give him a lesser opponent. But the person who beat Machida also made noise, and not for beating him. So we have Romero with his uh, anti-gay comments, like because the gay marriage you know joint was just passed in all states. And uh, he didn't like that, I guess. Yo, yo, Yoel Romero. All right, so here's the slick thing about Romero. He's a Cuban dude, right? So when he came out and said it, and I think he knew what he said, and he went back, I think somebody was like, yo, you can't say that. You know that, right? And, and he, your Romero, being as smart as he was, he was like, oh, language barrier. That's all. <laughs> like, whoops. <laughs> the Sammy Sosa. You guys just don't understand what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, the quick Sammy, Sammy Sosa. Sosa. Uh, real quick, fast. So th I think that's what happened. I mean, you know, it's hard to get in these conversations because, you know, we're going to have a beeline of people trying to fight me. But 
the the whole like when you bring the religious aspect into the cage, it turns people off. And especially when you're such a diehard, you know, I think is he a Christian or is he a Catholic? I'm not sure. Catholic, what, I'm assuming, right? He's, he's Spanish. I, I mean, we're all kind of Catholic. Yeah, I think so. Like I, I grew up Catholic in New York too. Um, but I, I, you know, I have my reasons why I am where, where I am today. But you see other fighters and they really go hard for their religion. And going hard for your religion sometimes means disrespecting a whole community of people who may be your fan base. And that's what Romero just kind of went out and did. Whether he wants to take it back or not, that's fine. Whether you want to call it a language barrier, that's cool. I just don't believe that. Like, cut, cut There was no language barrier. Yeah, we heard it clear. It like, you damn near broke the internet. Everyone was just like, what? Yeah, and after like, the fight? Yo, you couldn't say that in an interview in some obscure Cuban magazine. Like, you had to say that after you won the biggest fight of your career? Come on. Really? Yeah, that's not good at all. That's not a good look. Like, one, that's not how you get a title shot coming up. Like, that's how you get passed up. Uh, yep. Jacare will definitely pass you up just because you just said some dumb shit. And you're hurting the brand of the UFC. And two, even if you feel that way, like, why say it then like post fight who cares what you think about gay marriage post fight are you really going to change it just because you knocked out machida like you think that knockout has that much weight that, that you know they're just gonna be like oh you know what romero you're right let's take this back real quick yeah. and then just like cancel the law like i don't know what he thought was gonna happen or if people were just gonna bum rush the church but he's not tim tebow like he he doesn't have that appeal um it just came off looking dumb, and then he had to explain himself afterward. See, here's the thing. I'm all for athletes taking a political stand, right? I was always all for athletes using your platform to say something that means something. That's fine. But when you're just out here slandering gay people, that's not cool. Like, we're in a completely different day and age where you just can't do that type of thing. Like, you can't just come out there on a crusade, like, asking, hey, America, what's wrong with you people? You can't do that. Like, you're, you just swam across here from Cuba, dog. Like, you can't do that. Um, but it's like, like if a fighter was to say, you know, if, if there was a fighter who had an I can't breathe shirt on, like if, if Rashad Evans wore I can't breathe shirt after a fight and then said, you know, talked about, you know, policemen killing young African-American men, I'd be all for it. Of course, with that would come a lot of polarizing people who would look at it as, you know, using your platform in the wrong way. Bill O'Reilly would probably tear Rashad Evans apart, even though he doesn't watch UFC. So it's always a risk when you do something like that and when you fight for what you believe in. But yeah, with Romero, wrong place, wrong time. And then just fess up, dog. Like you know what you said. You know that. Yeah. You, you know what you said. That, it's not a language barrier because I'm sure there's a lot of people that spoke the language. You're like, nah, dog. That's not. That's not what you said. Nah, that's part of taking a stand. Yeah. When you take a stand and someone calls you on it, you better stand there. Like it ain't take a stand and then nah, I'm good. Let me run. Like you, you better stand behind your comments. And he didn't do it, which was whack. And. Uh, yeah, yeah, man. Man. So look, enough, for, enough about enough this MMA, MMA stuff. stuff. You you just want to yeah. get to the hip hop. You want to talk I about see, the boy Kendrick at the BET Awards. Well, well, Your boy you know what? First of all, <laughs> don't put me out there like that. Second of all, hey, hey, look, the All Right video is crazy. That is a dope video and second best video of the weekend behind Big Sean, who has the best oh, album man. so far this year. And Big Sean is your number the, one the album. Martin, the Martin joint was so dope. <sighs> okay. Yeah, brother man. Brother man from the no, <laughs> look, flow. Look, it was, Big Sean's video was, it was a great video. I love the throwback to Martin. I love that. I love that they had brother man in it. It was weird that Ty Dolla Sign was only in the, in the intro. Like, he couldn't find somewhere else to be. But um, the Kendrick Lamar video is just amazing to me. In terms of vis using your visual art 
and using it as a platform to basically put together everything that you talked about on the album in like a six, seven minute clip. I thought it was amazing. Anyway, we're not going to debate that right now. The BET Awards. <laughs> you watch the BET Awards. I didn't watch the BET Awards. I watched it in clips because I've had enough of that. I got a TV and I'll eventually watch it. The first thing I thought about, though, was your man Puffy falling through the, the, the stage. Who was responsible for that? That's some BT. Yo, right there. Puff had a rough week, B. He had a rough week. Like, this ain't Puff's week. The funniest thing, I was telling someone, they're like, yo, Puff fell through the stage. And, like, when you're watching it live, you really can't tell that he fell through the stage. Because, like, the camera cuts away. Right. So, you're just like, okay, whatever. So, it's on Twitter, like, yo, Puff fell through the stage. The first thing I thought was... Yo, maybe he snuck a kettlebell in the shiny suit, and the stage gave out. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then I was like, Yo, for the real, like he had a rough week. He brought Justin out there. And then Puff is, you know, he brings back out the shiny suit and Mace, and then falls through the stage. It's just embarrassment all week for Puff. Lil Kim don't look the same. It, it was, no, nah, I'm just saying, damn, like Lil Kim. Is like eighteen shades lighter. She comes out. Has she ever? You look at it, you'd be like, "Yo, what? Who is this on stage?" I thought Iggy Azalea was rapping Lil Kim's part for a second. Slander, but I Yo, get I'm it. Just saying, like, come on, <laughs> like it. It ain't a bad boy reunion. Like, cool, you brought the locks out. Uh, Mace had way too many parts. Uh, there was no Black Rob sighting. There's no G Dep. Like, come on, B. Like, bring bring everybody out. Bring the people you done dirty out. Bring everybody out if that's the case. So nah, nah, you gotta you gotta make money. Uh, yeah, no, nah, I mean Craig Mack wasn't there. Craig that's what Mack I'm saying. Around? Craig Mack still with us. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like if you're gonna, I don't do, know. We need to find that out. If you're gonna do a bad boy reunion, I need like Sherry Dennis to come out. I need, <laughs> I need every bad boy artist that you know that should have been that never had a, a record out. They yeah, like we need Black Rob. Where's Woe? Like I would have loved to hear Woe. I think everybody lost it for Woe, but. Yeah, it is what it is. I mean, you know, it's puff. It's puff. But here's the thing: when I watched it, the first thing because I worked at BET, the first thing I thought about was <laughs> was who fucked up and left the stage to prop, prop open so Puff could fall. That's all I thought about. I didn't blame Puff at all. I blamed BET because that's just how they roll. I just thought somebody, <laughs> I thought somebody dropped the ball. Puff should have been mad at somebody because, duh, you fell through the stage. It's not like you fell, you tripped over your own feet. Something was left loose and you fell through the stage. That's pretty. It sick. collapsed due to the weight of a kettlebell, or Puff was just wildly strong from being in jail for two days and doing push-ups, and he got brolic, and then he didn't know his own weight and fell through the stage. Both are viable options to why the stage gave, and neither are BT's fault. Look at that. So no. B- BT's always been janky. They got the audio right this year, so I'm happy with them. Right? Their audio is right. They're cool because they're, they're like stupid. No curse bleep man was the worst in the history of television. He never caught anything, and he bleeped out half the clean words in the songs and left all the curse ones. Yo. This year, he was on point. Yo, he's the worst. Like, whoever they hired for that, he was, like, batting, like, below the Mendoza line with capturing the curse words. Like, I know there's a delay. So with the delay, you should be able to bleep. You should be able to anticipate a bleep because you've seen these cats in rehearsals. Somebody should have seen these cats in rehearsals and know where the curse words are. You're anticipating. Got it right. You're anticipating that they make them go through rehearsals. This is the same, you know, show, and I guess award show, if you want to call it that, that had Beyonce perform two years in a row off a tape delay, like it was on YouTube. 
Yeah. I damn near had to watch a YouTube clip every year before Beyonce came on stage. Dark. Like, I know. These awards are not known for quality. And you know the inside workings of this. This is great. They need to bring you back home, yo. Let you run all this. Nah, they don't even let me run none of this because the whole yo, war show gonna, will be different. <laughs> yo, I'm telling you, they're, they're going to be like, yo, your podcast is super dope. How about you and Kel come and take, like, the afternoon slot and do, like, a sports rap basement? And they're going to parade us out there, and they're going to be like, yo, this is the set, and you're going to fall through the set. And they're going to be like, stop talking shit. Take that. Yeah, see, if they ever allowed, BT ever allowed us to have a show, they would put it on Sundays in between church and make it fail. That's what BT used to do best. Is put set up shows to fail. It's like, oh, you want this show? Here it is. It's gonna come on at three in the morning on Saturday night, so you can't watch it. So nobody will we'll, ever watch this show. What will make this shit into BET Uncut? Well, Somebody will be watching it. Yeah, that was Talking different. MMA and BET Uncut videos are just rolling through. That would we, be interesting. We'll sell. We would sell. That, that, that's, yeah. that's how we do it. But uh, what else happened at these awards before BET takes us off on a tangent? Uh, let's see. We had Kendrick opening the show. Your boy Kendrick again. We had, had Fetty Wap closing the show. I know oh. you love that with the youngsters. Fetty Wap. <sighs> you know what? I just shrugged my shoulders at that. Like I said, I'm not a Fetty Wap fan. I don't get it. Like, usually I feel like you should always close your show with something people are going to remember. Three years from now, when BT is known to do show a marathon of all their award shows, there's always somebody on there who was like, he had a hit? And Fetty Wap's going to be that guy. He's like, who's he? Like, he, he's, him and Bobby Smurder will be in the same mall working and selling me pretzels in a few months. I, I, that's well, Smurder is only going to be selling stuff from prison. Well, yes. So unless you find yourself behind bars, I don't think you're going to see Smurder again. Yeah, yeah. He, he, I'm not going to see that guy. But Fetty Wap, like, as nice of a guy as he is, and I like to listen to his interviews, and I think, he, I think he's got a great personality, but that doesn't – I don't care. You, you're here to make music, and I don't care for the music. And him closing the show – it's basically BET trying to ride a wave. Yeah, go for it, whatever. But at the end of the day, nobody cares and nobody's going to remember. And that's that. But what about you, man? The one joint you have to see. Yeah, Meek, Meek Mill uh, and Nikki, whatever. I mean, Meek performed. And it's like, it's really just the Nikki show. He never performs without her now. So it's just people are paying Meek Mill off the strength of this is the only way we can get Nikki here. The, Which is uh, cool. Get that check. You know, you know what, Meek? Get that check. I ain't mad at it. You go buy three more Banshees and a couple four-wheelers and do what you got to do in Philly and live that ghetto fabulous life. And that's cool. But they just want Nikki. You're kind of the side piece. But if yeah. that's what it takes, he, he's a loud side piece. He's perfect. He, he just yells on the track. Nikki comes through, twerks a little bit. Success. He'll sell more than Tiger. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. You say what hey. you want, he's going to sell more than Tiger. Hey, we, I, I think we've had enough of Tiger slander. That dude is that dude is done. His goose is cooked. Yo, Pitchfork murdered Tiger's album, which was well deserved. <laughs> murdered his album, but that's how that's just how it goes. I haven't least and on side note, I haven't listened to Meek's album yet, so I can't really comment on it. Um, the single with Nicki, I didn't care for. But I'm about to listen to it after we hop off this podcast. I got a lot of music to catch up on. But other than that, like like I said, I haven't watched the whole show. I watched bits and pieces and. I'm gonna watch you gotta it. watch the tribute. You gotta watch the, the Janet Jackson tribute. I heard Sierra killed they it. They did. Sierra did her thing. I'm not even mad at that. Like, you know, tributes could go really wrong. Uh, I thought the Chris Brown, like Michael Jackson joint a couple years ago was dope. Um, and this was another good one. Sierra killed it. I wish they would have just let her do the whole thing. 
because everyone else who came out beforehand was like, yeah. But uh, Jason Derulo was dancing at one point. I, I don't know why. It's Janet Jackson. But uh, Sierra came out in Rhythm Nation, and she killed it. So you should watch that point. And, Rus- you know, Russell Wilson was in the crowd. Russell then came up in the world. He left his ex-wife, who had a questionable-looking face. And I'm being polite. But she wow. was questionable in the facial region and bumped up to Sierra after after the future hives and let her go. Perfect timing. Well, I mean, good for Russell Wilson. I mean, he's, he's cashing checks as a Seahawk. He's dating Sierra, apparently, and he's going to the BET Awards. Big plus for him. Um, Yo, <laughs> I guess that's how he rolls. Who thought Russell Wilson would be invited to the BET Awards? Hey, not Russell Wilson. Not, I'm sure he didn't. Not, not at all, but he's there, and that's what matters. Yeah, so we need to go ahead and take a break because we got to talk about this boxing. We got some WWE to talk about. Stay tuned. That segment's going to be great. We'll bring that to you right after the break. This is usually where the sponsors will go, but since we're sponsored by the people, the people, we wanted to tell you that you can follow us on YouTube at The Corner Podcast. You can ask us a bunch of questions, hopefully the good ones, at thecornerpod at gmail. And you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at thecornerlsn. My people. everybody welcome back so this week we're only gonna have two segments since i'm on vacation and i want to go back downstairs i got rice and beans waiting i got some baklaitos waiting if you don't know what that is do your googles i got a malta waiting and i got my chancletas on i'm trying to go back poolside beautiful day here in puerto rico good for you i, I got a house that has a bunch of furniture in it that i need to move around and i gotta make my internet work better and I got to unpack a bunch of boxes and books. So that's my vacation. So that sounds horrible. It, it is, all right? It is. Once it's done, once it's done, my house is going to look fresh. Like Where I'm living now is, is, is beautiful. You're throwing it's a barbecue like, or something? Like, can I nah, come over? Th- can I get a plate? What, what's going nah, on? No, you're here? never invited. You're never invited. But um, Listen, one day, one day, Cameron. And we just throw a barbecue. Throw a barbecue. Nah. <laughs> Can't loast in the hood rats? Nah, nah. <laughs> but yo, let's get let's get back into it. So it's weird. We're about like five weeks away from Battleground, four weeks away from Battleground with WWE, and it's we're in this weird holding pattern where Raw is kind of uneventful. Uh, but we do have the Beast in the East thing coming up. Uh, but did you watch Raw this week, Kel? Yo, I saw it. I saw it. It wasn't and, bad. It, I mean, it had its ups and downs. The Cena joint was good though. Um, yeah, they finally gave uh, Cesaro a chance. I thought he was just buried for. A second, I thought he was out of there. Yeah, I mean, not only did he get a chance, he damn near won. He only he only lost by DQ, and with the, with the sharpshooter, you know, yeah, like yeah. paying homage to Tyson Kidd, like that that was kind of dope. It was a good match, but but we know what's gonna happen. Like Cesaro's gonna have this match, and he's gonna be back to doing what he did before, which is whack. Well, at least they made him like somewhat viable as a singles contender while Tyson Kidd is out, so he can be some filler talent and if Cesaro's your filler talent you're doing all right for yourself 
Well, that's true. I just, I'm almost at the point where I want to say Cesaro needs to go to NXT. Because I'm getting really frustrated with how they're handling my man. Yeah, I mean, once again, Ryback got to come off of that title, man. Somebody got to take this. Like, it's to that point where, okay, Ryback runs through Big Show. He needs another challenge. You made Ryback look crazy strong. Who the hell can beat someone crazy strong? Oh, let me pick the guy who can body slam anyone, who can swing everyone around, Cesaro. He can beat Ryback, and that shit's completely believable. And, I mean, Cesaro's over. He's another guy that you look at, he's like so over with the fans. So it's like, why are we not pushing him? Yeah, way better, way better. And he'd be, he'd be on that Daniel Bryan level where his matches will be great work. But I guess they feel like with the way Cena's having these remarkable matches, they got to have like a, a, a guy like Ryback. Here's the funny thing about what Ryback's doing right now. I feel like everything they're doing with Ryback is in direct response to what CM Punk said about him on the Cole Cabana podcast. Everything that they're doing with Ryback is like, oh, he's improved so much. Fuck you, CM Punk. Like, everything that they're doing is the same thing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and, you know, we, we see the indies coming through, and everyone's giving CM Punk, including us, all this credit for really bringing it to light and opening the door for these guys. And if it wasn't for Summer of Punk, none of these guys would be here. And it's true, and Vince is giving us something. He may not have been wrong about all these guys who are going to be our future stars, but guess what? Damn it, we're giving you right back and we're shoving them down your throat. CM Punk was wrong about something. Not at all. Well, whatever. He wasn't. Like I still watch right. I still watch right back, and I go so. And I'm watching right back with a few with the big show, and I'm like, this is even worse. Now you stick Miz in the middle. It's like I can't even believe Miz can compete with these two guys. And I still can't figure out how Miz is more over than Sand. Like, Sandow's basically disappeared. Like, they just wrote him off. He no longer even exists. Nah, he's out of here. And he was so over. Yeah. As Miz Dow. So over. So, yeah, whatever. Um, that That's a whole weird situation. But, I mean, we got Beast in the East, like you said, July 4th. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is Saturday. I got to wake up at 5.30 in the morning. Now, to watch it. But then wake up at 2.30 in the morning, like I would have if I was in Vegas. So, I'm going to watch it live, 5.30, and we got Brock Lesnar against Kofi Kingston? Okay, so help me understand this, right? Brock Lesnar came back yes, last week, got mollywhopped by the authority, and almost, and almost what appeared to be like an injury angle. Does it come back this week, and he's going to return at Beast in the East to kill Kofi Kingston? Somebody make sense out of this. Uh, he's pissed off. Uh... New day is too positive. Let's just beat the hell out of black guy. Like, does Vince need any more logic than that? Like, yo, he has to beat the shit out of somebody. Uh, black guy to do it. Boom. <sighs> Kofi, go take that fight. Like, right? They didn't even give him Big E. You know how dope it would be to see him just throw around Big E? Way better than Kofi. Yeah. Unless the Kofi and his weird chest are going to kill. Unless the entire New Day jumps in and Brock beats the shit out of everyone. That'd be okay. So if it's him versus Kofi, but the whole New Day is ringside, and Brock just annihilates the entire New Day and then starts clapping because, you know what? The New Day is over, but they're over his heels, and people love saying New Day sucks and everything. And if you want to play Brock as the face, have him annihilate the New Day and then clap with the fans afterwards and do a New Day sucks chant. Put him super over. Uh, cool. Hey, why not? 
Why not? But it's all it's just a Brock exhibition at the end of the day. That's all we're seeing. Brock gets to throw around somebody. I don't even know if Kofi will get any offense in. Like, is he going to get anything in? Will he do a Trouble in Paradise? It's Brock with Trouble in Paradise. Like, that'd be so dope. Man. Suplex City, bitch. That's Brock what we're about to see. looks at him like he's stupid. See, again, we're running into this thing where, like, we have so many weeks until the next Battleground pay-per-view. And if Brock goes in there and annihilates Kofi without Seth Rollins doing some kind of run-in and the authority beating him up, it won't make sense to me. I, it won't make sense to me that Battleground is going to be a pay-per-view where Seth Rollins loses the title. Because all signs point to Lesnar killing him right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they do. But why when you can just DQ it somehow and then drag it on to SummerSlam? Yeah, that, I mean, that's what I hope happens. That's, that's what makes the most sense. But then now we got the uh, Kevin Owens and Finn Balor match, which has basically had no hype. It, we've had these great little documentaries on NXT of Finn Balor, but we've had, like, no interaction with him and Kevin Owens whatsoever. And I think they're just counting on casual fans tuning in to see um, Brock necessarily on, on the network. It's weird because they've given all these, like, little pay-per-views and everything to the network to build it up. And it seems like they're trying to hide this one network show from mainstream fans. Because you built Owens up to be this monster heel and a guy who can beat Cena and this guy who's NXT champion and is champion versus champion. You don't necessarily want your casual fans to see him lose. You don't want them to see how he loses the belt. You don't want them to see him get beat cleanly. And that's what Balor's about to do. So there, you don't hide you hope it goes under the radar and only, like, the hardcore fans tune in to see Balor. And then Owens returns the next week on Raw without a belt and be like, uh, don't worry about how he lost it. He's coming for the U.S. title now. That's the only thing you got to worry about. But here's, that's it. But there's the, here's the problem. All right, so here's your situation. You have NXT, which is on the network. So if you subscribe to the network, you watch NXT, which is not a lot of casual fans. However, all of your pay-per-views are also on the network. You've promoted Kevin Owens as the NXT champion who was even defended his title on Raw. Him losing the title to Finn Balor in a match that has basically flown completely under the radar because of the, the Cena-Owens feud is going to be kind of weird to see him come out next Monday without the title if that's what actually happens. At this point, I would have a change of plans and I have Kevin Owens keep the title because him losing it right now doesn't make any sense because you got to build him towards the Cena fight. You, he needs to go in there and get DQ'd. I, I know I'm being very DQ-happy right now, but he needs to go in there and get DQ'd against Finn Balor by powerbombing him like 30 times into the apron or whatever the hell he's got to do, toss some trash to John Cena, and then Balor can beat him after the fact. I just don't need Kevin Owens losing right now. It, it does no good for him towards this. But Balor needs, needs a title. Like Kevin Owens is what Brock Lesnar was to the WWE last year in terms of he's an absentee champion. He's not even competing on NXT, really. Like, he's not defending his title on NXT anymore. He's so wrapped up in main roster stuff. So they need to take that belt off him so it has a staple again on the NXT shows. So now if he gets DQ'd and just crushes Finn, it makes him look horrible. It doesn't make him look strong and mysterious as they're building him up to be. And they want him to be a superhero as well. But if for some reason, you know, I don't know, Finn is about to win, Owens cheats, and then you have Samoa Joe come out, and, you know, 
I guess, hit Owens with a chair or hit him with some with the muscle buster or whatever, creep out, and then Finn gets the pin and wins that way, that'd be great. But do you want Joe to be a heel? Do you want Finn to be a heel? Like, it, it's so up in the air. Can Finn win the belt in a dirty way? He's not Rollins. Like, do you want him to go over clean? Does it matter how Balor comes off of the belt? Because if he gets cheated out of the belt, then you can explain, like, yo, I got cheated out of my belt. I need a title. I'm a prize fighter. I'm coming to take Cena's belt. They cheated me out of my belt. I'll be back, Finn. I'll be back to get that. And then Finn just carries yeah. on the belt. And then now Finn feels a certain way against Samoa Joe because you robbed me of my chance to really prove myself, Joe. Now you took my shine and Joe and Finn start a rivalry. There you go. Is the WWE that smart? No. WWE's not going to do none of this shit. Finn Balor fight wrestling Owens in Japan. All signs point to him beating Kevin Owens. I'm just kind of bent out of shape on how they're building to this match. Like I, like I said, I love these little Finn Balor documentary pieces that they're doing. Um, they're using, they're, they're recognizing how big of a star he was in Japan, which basically points to him winning the title. But it's like, there's been so little interaction between these two. It's just kind of weird that you're building up the, all these feuds for Kevin Owens. And the only one he's focused on is Cena right now. So I also have a problem with, this battlegrounds being the end of Cena and Owens. I think that's a SummerSlam feud waiting to happen. I don't understand. I kind of just don't understand the timing of it all. I feel like they, they love Kevin Owens and they got so much. They're trying to give us too much Kevin Owens to the point where they, they neglect everybody in the NXT roster and his feuds with them. Yeah, they, they, it was definitely a rushed thing to bring him up and make him main roster, especially while he still had the title. And uh, they had a chance where Finn was going to and didn't know. So they had to just switch the belt over there and bring Owens up. And he could have just taken Cena's stupid challenge and rode out there. It didn't have to be champion versus champion. Even though I love how that played out. But they had a chance to kind of make this an easy transition. They didn't take it. And then now they're just like, oh, shit, they're in scramble mode. He has four different rivalries down there. And NXT is giving more love to him and Joe than him and Finn. Right. Which is crazy. So what do you do with Joe now? You built Joe up to fight. Owens, and now Owens is gone. So what's now for Joe? Baron Corbin with his flashy pants with a bunch of belts on him? I don't know. Like, I told like you a my... Green Musketeer? It's fucking crazy. <laughs> Yo, my, my fear of Samoa Joe is just, it's just really frustrating to, to watch what they're doing because I'm, I can't figure it out. Like, first things first, can we just get rid of that terrible entrance music? I hate it. I feel like I'm playing a Sega Genesis game, Streets of Rage, and... And that's what Samoa Joe's walking out to. Main roster, they have to change. Like, I feel like, like he needs like some really dope music main roster. Like he's Samoa Joe. I want a haka. I want like a full on fucking haka. Like Samoa football team haka coming out, and then with just some badass, just nothing but bass music. Get <laughs> something. Like I don't know. It just it's just kind of a. Uh... I don't know. They're kind of just dropping the ball with my dude. I don't know. I, we'll we'll see what happens after this this Beast in the East pay per view. Um, otherwise, and, and I know we had, we didn't even put this, we didn't even discuss this, but like TNA, did you did you hear about these Slam anniversary results? I haven't. I won't pay to watch a TNA show, but um, <laughs> dude, Jeff Jarrett went running the King of the Mountain challenge. With, what? Yes, he won. Exact. Like it feels like it's a big GFW thing because we got Global Force Wrestling and they're doing these baseball shows. They get ready to come out here, but. After Kurt Angle got diagnosed with that neck tumor, they had to pull him out. So he couldn't be against EC3 in the main event. But Jeff Jarrett went in the, a made-up title, the King of the Mountain Challenge title. 
He he what? He's gonna I, take that. To see, I can't even get it I out. Mean, we probably go to the show, right? Yeah, we're going to the why, show. Why not? We're gonna have yeah, a few I of the mean, GFW guests too. The wrestlers as guests. Hopefully, we have like Doc Gallows or somebody from the Bullet Club. Or, I know the Bucks are supposed to be wrestling, but um. Yeah, see, we'll we'll go. We'll check that out. ROH comes through this month. It's gonna be one hell of a month wrestling too. We're gonna be the busiest guys in the world this next month. Um, but yeah, even with that being said, Jeff Jarrett still wrestles. That's what I'm saying. Why is Jeff Jarrett like? I don't like back to what. First of all, for TNA to call Jeff Jarrett at the last minute because he wasn't originally booked in the match, they booked him at the last minute. Then they let him win. Now to add to TNA's turmoil. Like, now you have Jeff Jarrett as your King of the Mountain champion that nobody cares about. Now Austin Aries is gone. Low Key is gone. Um, James Storm is gone. And Magnus is gone. They've lost four of their top names in a week. I like Low Key, got- too. Low Key was dope. Hey, listen. Low Key is one of the most underrated wrestlers. And they really screwed him over in the WWE with that cabal thing. That was terrible. But um, Yeah, that was bad. It was, but if like- they come, like, if he goes to ROH right now or even Lucha Underground... Him versus Prince Puma? I'm for it. Look, Lucha Underground needs to scoop all of them. I know Magnus is going with uh, Global Force Wrestling. I know that for a fact. Um, Austin Aries, they, we don't know where he's going. Austin Aries needs to go to Lucha Underground. Or he can come to NXT. But um, I've always been a big Austin Aries guy. I, I just want to see him flourish somewhere. He had a nice little run in TNA for a hot second, and then they just threw him down in the, in the dirt like they did Samoa Joe. Basically, fuck TNA. TNA needs to just go away. Just let the talent go. Just let them. It's just easy to go away. They've ruined everything with TNA. TNA and Jeff Jarrett came out with like his wife or something, right? Yeah, well, it's Kurt Angle's wife. Kurt Angle's wife. It was like a whole big debacle. What is with that? Kurt hot. (laughs) Karen. I'm not gonna lie to you. Karen Angle is now Karen Jarrett in real life. This is not kayfabe. This is real life. And apparently, from what the dirt sheets have said. Is that Jeff? That Kurt Angle didn't know that Jeff Jarrett was going to be in the in that match whatsoever until he saw his kids show up to the arena. Now put that what? together. He saw his kids, which his meant belt. Karen Jarrett was woman, there, which meant his kids were there, which meant Jeff Jarrett was there. Come on, man! It's going to take more than a it's, it's going to take more than a neck tumor to stop me from this just, match. Shit just got real. That's like what? How did he take his wife in the first place? I need to. I need the backstory on this. We're gonna do a whole segment on this one day. How do you get your wife snatched from you by another wrestler? A washed up one at that. That's what I'm saying. Kurt Angle was at the top of the world, but you know, Kurt Angle's had like documented like drug issues and alcohol issues, so maybe go to Jeff Jarrett. Jeff I, Jarrett is the replacement for Kurt Angle. I, I don't yeah. know. I've never, ever, ever, ever been a Jeff Jarrett fan. Not when she he was, was double J. Not when he was with the Road Dog. Not when he was in, in WCW. I've never been a Jeff Jarrett fan. Ever. I thought he was a yeah. fraudulent Ric Flair. He's t- I just never was a fan. It is what it is. That's so crazy. Yo, you know what? We forgot to do our pound for pound list before we go on to oh. boxing. Talking about super hot women in wrestling. Shout out to Kurt Angle's wife or ex-wife. Jeff Jarrett, you came up in the world. The pound-for-pound list this week was sexiest WWE divas of all time. I developed this list. I was thinking, I was like, yo, what can we do for for pound-for-pound on this show? And I saw Bay, Sasha Banks, come across my timeline. And I was like, you know what? She's sexy. I wonder who's the sexiest women in wrestling. And I had to go back. I had to do my research. And uh, I think I created a pretty dope list. And I figured I'd get your opinion of who you think the sexiest women or divas of all time are. Go ahead, man. What's your list? List. 
five. Bay is at five. Sasha Banks, even though she's new, I have to put her on the list. She was my muse. She is at five. Sasha, holla at me when you want to get on the show. Four, Sable. Sable was dope. <laughs> Sable, Sable gets four. I had like a mini crush on Sable back in the day. Three, Miss Elizabeth. She was classy. She had the dope hair. That's like my childhood right there. She she could have had my heart. Miss Elizabeth, Macho Man never treated her right either. That's why I got beef with Macho Man to this day. He never treated her right. <laughs> he did occasionally. Batter never. Yeah, never, yo. He always side-eyed her. She had to walk like eight steps behind him. Macho Man was a pimp for all purposes. He even wore the hat. Two, I'm going with... Ooh, so is that? That's Brie? Wait, wait, you want tits uh, or no tits? Which, which one, one do you want? Tits, tits McGee. Which all right. one is Tits McGee? Nikki Bella. Nikki, thank you. Nikki's two, and I don't even like Nikki. Uh, but I got to give it up to her. She is sexy as hell. And maybe it's the fake boobs. Maybe it's the attitude. Don't twin magic me. I'll be very upset. I can tell the difference. <laughs> Nikki is at two. She's super sexy. And at number one, and forever will be number one, for rocking the thong straps in the air and letting a sixth grader like me know what the hell a thong was, is Lita. So bomb. Beautiful hair. Thong straps up. Taking off her shirt before the finisher, God, Lita had it. She's number one. Wow, it's an interesting list. Um, it's, it's you know, I'm right there. The top, no AJ Lee either. No, see, AJ's on my list. But number, I'm gonna start at number one because even though she doesn't really wrestle, and even though that she doesn't do much of anything, I've always thought Layla was like the baddest chick in wrestling. She's bad. Like, ooh, yeah, and she's almost forty. Like, people forget, that girl, that woman is almost 40 years old. Layla. Yeah. Number one. <laughs> Layla's number one. <laughs> um, Tori Wilson, man. Number two. Uh, when you talk about, yeah, when you Long talk legs. about. Long You forget about Tori Wilson. Um, Tori had it. You know, she did the Playboy spread. She I did. I always thought she, she looked better than Sable. Uh, that was just my opinion. Um, Sable's like sexiness felt always forced and annoying at a certain point, especially when she was a heel. When Sable was a heel, it was really annoying. Um, yeah. So Yo, was, you know who I forgot? Like, Talk about long legs. I forgot Stacy Keebler. Of course, I was, I was. That was next. Stacy Keebler. How do you forget Stacy Keebler? Oh. Yeah. See exactly. Yeah. See, I don't even know what number I'm on. I'm just gonna keep going. <laughs> um, You're on number four now. Number okay. four. Well, I started with I started with Layla, so I went I went going from Layla to Tori Wilson to Trish Stratus. Trish Stratus was the fitness model. Trish Stratus she could wrestle. Trish Stratus cut good promos. Trish Stratus kind of kind of like the little complete package. Her nose was always a little funny, but if we're just talking about divas, yeah, yeah, Trish Stratus. Um, damn, I mean, I know Miss Elizabeth should always be higher on the list, but she didn't wrestle. Miss Elizabeth was is at th- is where where am I at? Four, You're at five. You're at five, my man. Oh nope, well, Miss Elizabeth. I don't know yeah, where I'm at. Five. I'm just going. I'm going where I feel like going with this. Miss Elizabeth, she was the battered wife syndrome. She was class. She was the WWE. You rooted for Miss Elizabeth. Every man wanted to be with her, especially Hulk Hogan. And then you know nobody could have her but Macho Man. I hated when she went to W. I, I mean, dude. Even before that, the whole Ric Flair Macho Man feud with Elizabeth by the pool, like that was amazing. Um, but yeah, in terms of like, you look at Miss Elizabeth, you were like, wow, you could take her home to moms. Like I couldn't take some of these other divas. Like you couldn't take Nikki Bella home to moms. She's too stupid. Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
But yeah, so I guess AJ that's my list. AJ doesn't crack your top five either, then. We got but no, Stacey, that, that, got she was supposed to be number five. Let me go back. Layla, Tori, Trish, Miss Elizabeth, AJ Lee. There we go. So Stacy doesn't crack your list either. Stacey nah, Stacy doesn't crack my list. Ooh, all right. No leader. No leader. No leader. I always thought like leader was cool. I, I don't know. I hated when she was with Edge too. I think it took everything away from all that. Oh man, I I used to just be like, yo, if I could just get a Hurricane Rana from Lita from wow, the top really? rope, it'd make my life complete. That's it. Like, that's it. Like, what she did, like, she could wrestle. She was so sexy because she could wrestle. She could, was, but she, yo, she, but the thing about Lita's wrestling was while it was impressive to watch her flip, she botched a lot. There was a lot of boxes in Lita. She, like, there have been more polished women wrestlers than Lita, but I get it. I get it. You can have that. Leaders, yeah. Uh, so before we get off of this, you don't want to put China in the mix anywhere here. No. What? <laughs> Are we good? I'm just making sure. I don't want her on Wait. my list, but I'm giving you the chance to put China somewhere on yours. Absolutely I, not. I won't but I have to ask you, Kel. Be honest. Have you seen China's porno? I've seen Any China's porno. I, I, I have not. You have not, and I refuse. You're a grown man. You haven't seen China's porno. Nah, she has, man. Like, I can't. Hateable. Nope. Can't watch it. What kind mm-hmm. of group chats do you have? Like, you, you don't have real friends in group chats. Oh, I if do. If they don't randomly drop a China porno gif no. in your group chat. Nah, man. You nah. have a wrestle rap chat and no one's ever dropped the China porno nah. gif in there? I'm going to tell the homies that, too. No, we've never we've never put a, rest, uh, a China. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Listen, you, you, need, you need this in your life because there's one point where she's, like, tombstoning a guy but doing something to him while giving him the tombstone pal driver, if you get my drift, oh you my. have to see this shit to believe it. Like, and, and she's the undertaker in this scenario. Let, wrap your mind around that. I'm not trying to. Let's you move gotta on. See, you gotta see this. Cleanse my palate of this nonsense. <laughs> Cleanse my palate. Let's talk. Yes, let's talk about Timothy it. Bradley, quit. man. Timothy Bradley. Hey, Jesse Vargas is not good, okay? Let's just be clear about this. He's gotten the benefit HBO of the HBO wants him to be good. Huh? Who? HBO wants him to be good. I mean, come on. Top rank is one of Everybody's wanted Jesse Vargas to be good. That's why he's gotten so many gift decisions. He ran into somebody like Timothy Bradley, who's a much better boxer than him, and it showed. And then Tim got careless. Don't you, and like, got... have a vendetta against Vargas, though? Like, can we put this out there? Yeah, it's like, not even like a vendetta. like enemy number one on your, in your book. But to be honest, it's like I've been, I've covered Jesse Vargas fights for a long time because he fought locally here in Vegas for a while, and I've had him losing so many fights to the point where it gets really frustrating. Where you see a guy that keeps winning, you're like, why is he winning? And then now he's you know he's got a big fight again at the StubHub Center against Tim Bradley, and I'm like, he doesn't even deserve that. And then the fight happens, and the, and all everybody's talking about is a controversy, and you know, in short, we. Bradley's dominating the fight. We get to the 12th round, and Bradley gets careless with about 20 seconds left. He gets clocked with the overhand right. And is it completely his, his, his uh, equilibrium is debilitated. He's stumbling around the ring like a drunk. And the ref autumn, it jumps in like the fight's over, but he says he thought he heard the bell. Clearly, nobody there was no bell. Nobody heard a bell. Nobody heard a bell. The only bell that we heard was the ones that were going off in Tim's head when he got clocked. But all that to say this. People were upset thinking that Jesse Vargas was going to finish Tim Bradley off are foolish. Tim Bradley will never, he will not get finished by somebody like Jesse Vargas. There was 10 seconds left. Bradley was going to hold him and was going to ride out the decision. Get over it. 
I know the ref didn't do his job. He blew it. It is what it is. I don't care. Bradley yeah, people act like Bradley was just going to be laid out unconscious to end that fight. Even if he was knocked down, he would have gotten up, had the full 10 count. The bell would have rang. All he had to do was touch gloves, look at the ref's eyes, and walk back to the corner, and he still would have won off of points. It didn't matter. Just short of him just being Pacquiao'd at the end of that fight, there was nothing Vargas could do to win. And the ref still is is definitely at fault. Just because how the hell do you mess that up? I don't know. How? Like, someone needs the answers. Like, Kanye asking Sway, like, come on, ref, we need the answers. Nobody got know. the answers. Yo, I need to know come what on. he heard. If I hear a dog bark, I don't think that's my doorbell. You know what I'm saying? Like, to, uh, the bell ringing is a very distinct sound. It's not, it's not something that you can kind of confuse with something else. Unless there's somebody who had a, a dummy bell in the crowd in the third row thought it would be funny and play a joke. Otherwise, My I see friend, how he blew that. I think yeah, he I got a friend in the business, Tiffany Clinton. What up, Tiffany, if you're listening? She was working the bell for that fight. She works all the stuff. Hub Hub fights. So she texted me right after the fight. She was like, yo, you see what happened in the fight I was doing? I was like, nah. She was like, oh, the ref messed up. Like, I was like, oh, really? I was like, yo, did you, like, nudge the bell or something? She was like, nah. She was like, I had the clappers in my hand. She does the clappers at the 10-second joint. She said she was clapping the clappers, and that's when the fight stopped. And I was <laughs> like, yo, that's so bananas. Like, we got to get on the show. Like, she'll come and, like, talk about it. She does all the fights. She's an amazing person. Um, one of the first females to actually do that and get licensed in Cali. Uh, definitely the first black female to do so. So she was just like crazy about it she was just like yo like i've never seen that happen before where he stops a fight 10 seconds early and uh so we text back and forth about it and i had to like really think back like yo i haven't even seen that in mma ufc like i haven't seen that in any level or anything i've gone to kickboxing muay thai you name it i've never seen that happen like how do you just lose track of when the fight's supposed to stop i don't know something as a ref that's fundamentally like in your job description it felt like he was thinking about something else like something else happened. Awards, BET Awards. He was <laughs> yeah. just like, "Yo, we're in Cali. We're at StubHub. I need to hit Slauson Swap Meet, get some gators, because the next next afternoon I got to be on a red carpet for the BET Awards." That's the only possible thing. He had to see Fetty Wap. That was his thing. He was like, "Yo, I got to see Fetty." You this know, some needs- of them went to the StubHub. You know, yeah. some of them went to the StubHub. Yeah, you know, he was like, um, "Ref was like, yo." 10 seconds left. They don't need these 10 seconds. Fight's over. I got to go get suited up and booted up with my now and later gators on and get down to the awards. That's the only thing. Word. He saw a hot chick and she was like, he was like, come my way. Just no. Fetty Wapped her real quick. <laughs> that's that's what was on his mind. He was like, yo, 10 seconds? Nah, I don't need these 10 seconds. Come my way, ma. And he was just hollering at the girl. Yeah. That's the only thing. I've been to StubHub. There's some nice looking women out there. It's distracting. If that's what happened to the ref, I feel you, my brother. You get the pass in my book. Well, yeah, if that's what it was. But, I mean, you know, I think uh, going back to the fight real quick, I think Bradley's going to think better of him saying, I'll give Jesse Vargas a rematch. Like, nah, what am I going to do that for? Like, I'm going to give him a rematch. Because he was like, yeah, anytime. No, no, you're not, Tim. You're not going to give Jesse Vargas a rematch. Let Jesse Vargas fight like Adrian Broner or Ooh, somebody. good fight. And good move fight, on with your life. By the way. Uh, yeah, Broner. It shouldn't be a good fight, but it would so, be. Uh, Right, and 140. That'd be a really good fight for Broner. But, Timothy Bradley, where does he go now? Because now you're looking at, who, Triple G? Do you move up? 
Hell so, no. 54? Like absolutely not. Like absolutely not. Mm-mm. Bradley, no. and he loves to stand there and throw at the end of rounds. Triple G would get him out of there. No, that fight that fight won't happen. Not in any stretch of the imagination. Tim Bradley ever step in the ring against Eddie Golovkin. Um, there's a lot of good prospects at 147. It's just a matter of top rank can do business with Al Heyman um, at the end of the day because Al Heyman and top rank exactly and top rank is suing the hell out of Al Heyman. I believe a hundred million dollars worth of a lawsuit for pretty much shutting the game down on top rank. Yeah, it's, it's a monopoly, man. It's Al Heyman's got a lot of money, and, and it all really started when your dumb friend Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. went and posted his auxiliary check that he he got on the side. What was that? Like a one point five million dollar check for getting his yeah. ass? Yeah. Come on, idiot! Like you just blew up the operation. So, look, I get it. Everybody's not a fan of Bob uh, Bob Aaron. However, he has some legitimate gripes with Al Heyman and how this PBC deal is going down and the monopoly that they have. Because there are some things that Heyman are doing is doing that I'm kind of like, eh, I don't really know if you should be doing that. For one, the Broner Porter fight should have never been in Vegas. As stingy as I am, and I love seeing these fights, a real promoter should have put that in Ohio if it's going to be the Battle of Ohio. It only makes sense. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's manipulation. It's, I get what Bob Arum is, is upset about. I completely understand it. If you keep buying up these fighters, you pay them some money to shut the hell up, except for Chavez Jr., who doesn't know how to do so. That'll be and, his last check. Yeah, that will be his last check. And you keep absorbing all these fighters. The fighters that you have are going to be left without a job. They're going to have nobody to fight. So, you know, like look at the case of Andre Ward. Where does Andre Ward go from here? Who does he fight next? Does If Al Heyman doesn't like Jay, do they make this fight happen? I don't think so. So I, I don't – I get the lawsuit. I haven't read it yet. It's like 50 pages. I don't know if I'm ever going to read it. I might have to just get the footnotes from somebody. But – I understand. I understand, Bob. I understand your gripes. You don't have many years to live, or maybe you do. Maybe Bob Aram's going to live to be a thousand. He's going to live forever. He's one of those guys. He's going to live to 100. He's one of those guys. 10. Yeah, he sold his soul a long time ago. But Yo, he's he's like Larry Flint. Larry Flint's still with us, right? Hustler? He ain't never going. Is like it? The, those, yeah, I believe he's still, like, he's in a wheelchair. He's like, he's like prunish looking. He, his skin is like yellow and stuff. He's still with us. These type of guys never go. Bob That's is true. Be doing business long after Al Heyman, but damn near he might outgo Oscar De La Hoya. De La Hoya has some questionable recreational activities that may take some years off his life. So Arrow might outlive all of them. He could very, very, very well uh, may do so. So what? I mean, what else do we have coming up? It's a short week of boxing. We don't really have too much to talk about. Keith Thurman's nah, coming man, up. Uh, yeah, Thurman was on ESPN. He's going to be on the ESPN PBC card. PBC everywhere. Shutting it down. Um, and he's going to get this win. And today I saw that he said he'd be ready for the Floyd fight, man. They called him for that September 12th fight. Uh, quick turnaround and all. Said he's ready to go. It's not happening. So, Floyd ain't fighting Keith Nah. Thurman. Floyd ain't never fighting Keith Thurman. One time. Nah. <laughs> Keith, Keith gets on that undercard, if anything. Um, and he's not going to do that. Why be an undercard fighter when you're a main eventer right now? For under-the-table money. Cough, cough. Um, like Keith, Keith is going to get sponsorships though, because Keith is a is a star, yo. He's going to get sponsorships. He sees his name number one on the marquee. He can fight who he wants to fight. He can fight where he wants to fight. There's no need to coattail off of Floyd anymore. Um, there's more people watching your shows on ESPN and NBC 
than are watching the Mayweather undercard. It's just a fact of the matter. You, we've been to, we've both been to the fights numerous times. There's no one in the arena before two fights before Floyd. True. Maybe Always. one. You're fighting in front of no one. Your fam. It's like fighting in the gym at your high school. Um, so why do that when you can headline a fight and the the place is packed? And he's seen that life now. He he had that against Guerrero. Um, he he can be the marquee name. And even if he has to knock out someone reparable at, at you know, 147, then so be it. Maybe you got to wait and take Danny and knock Danny out. We are, we're always advocating for Danny Garcia to get knocked out, by the way. There's like 18 Puerto Ricans outside my window who might mob me after this podcast is over because they just heard me say that. But we want Danny to get knocked out ASAP. Hey, you know, again, we talk about Danny Garcia and the kids. He got the Pauli Malinaji fight coming up and got a chance to talk to both of those guys on the conference call recently. And I started to think about it, and I get I get it. I get it. Danny Garcia, he's going to he, – they're going to carry him along until he feels like he's ready to get knocked out. And that's just how I feel. <laughs> like, Malinaji is going to present the same problems that Lamont Peterson presented to him. And if – Danny thinks that he's going to roll over him like our boy Sean Porter did. He's going to be mistaken. I don't think Paulie's going to really be going anywhere against him. Paulie's too smart. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's the summer's coming up. We got Kovalev fighting. We got you know, like with Thurman and Colazzo, which actually isn't a bad fight because Colazzo's not a bum. Like people treat Colazzo like he sucks. And he no, doesn't. former champion. Yeah, and I like his style. Maybe he could bring that knockout style back out of uh, Keith Thurman. It seems like he. He was content for a while to just box people. I want to see him just knock people out again. Be one time. And this is a the yeah. fight that could get him back into that mode. Indeed, indeed. He's so, doing his thing. But yeah, I guess that wraps up the show, Kel. It, man. It's that quick and easy. I get to go back to vacationing. Like, I, I love it. Tomorrow I'm going to be at the beach. I'm going to just eat crazy amounts of food tomorrow. I'm going to go to downtown San Juan and just chill and people watch. And, uh, you know, try to find J-Lo's little cousin or something. Yeah, good luck with that. And then I'm going to be unpacking boxes and getting ready for next week. When you're back in town and we get to have a show and where, I can, where I can see your face and see how true you are to what you say. Over see, the, look this, at this. I, I knew it. I knew it in my heart of hearts. You miss my face. You, you miss having me there. You miss me telling you. You're going too far. Pause. I, I know it. Rewind. Pause. Cut it out. Stop. <laughs> Listen. Stop. I, I, I'll never miss it. you. It's okay. No, the, the damn Mikel shirt. Yeah, it was. It's cool. It's, the goddamn Mikel shirt worry. is coming. That is coming. <laughs> We're gonna be on our Instagram. Our Instagram page is merch. Yep. Everyone's gonna buy a goddamn Mikel shirt. Yep, it's, it's coming. Cool, I had a few now people ask about truth. it. Now people. they know the truth. They know that you miss me when I'm not in town. Look at that. All I right. can't even take a vacation. All right, First guys. Thank you years. for joining us because Kel's <laughs> talking out of his ass. I can't listen to this nonsense anymore. Join us next week. It's International Fight Week. We might have a special show for you somewhere around the International Fight Week Fan Expo because I know all the action's happening right around us at Insert Coins. Might have some guests, too, so stay tuned. Kel, you got any parting words besides that bullshit you was trying to pull? Nah, I'm out. I'm about to go downstairs. I, there's mad food downstairs. Where's my mouth at? Peace. With the foes in the moles, watch out the store for the. 
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.